listening. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to NSPS Radio Hour. This is Kurt Sumner, your host today, as always. And for those of you who may read our newsletter and are listening today, it is not January the 6th, as I had inadvertently put in the newsletter this week, to have Lisa Isom join me. Welcome, Lisa. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning. As I was going back through my uh, my schedule for the year, I always try to keep my uh, a list of all the people who are on the show and when, and I've got that all the way back to January of 2011, but kind of lets me know when it may be time to get somebody on the show again. And I know every time when you and I talk, we always talk, but we need to do this periodically. And then right. I realize, in this case, periodically, it's been a lot longer than I thought it had been. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, we we all get busy, right? So oh, that's um, for sure. That's yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, well at, I know at that. At least, I guess, by waiting this late in the year, uh, any uh, wild and exciting things happening in the insurance world may already be known. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. Um, you know, I know that. You know, we we uh, really have uh, tried to to do it. You know, every month, every month, and then um, we get busy during the. Uh, the summer and the fall, and and uh, and uh, we uh, we don't do it as frequently as we probably should be. So, um, um, yeah. So, you know, one of the things I know that you and I um, had talked about, um, you know, talking um, with respects again to cyber liability um, and uh, identity theft. Um, on this show, um, simply because I know that we have talked about it, and we did talk about it about a year ago, um, and it, you know, time flies because um, um, here we are again, and, and um, we're right back into more of the same. Um, except uh, the the thieves out there come up with different uh, creative ideas of how to how to breach um, our systems and how to steal our identities, and so. Um, that's one with uh, our technology that is uh, certainly one that's on the forefront um, during the holiday seasons, um, for sure. So, yeah, I can I can see where that would certainly be the case, and that's not to say they're not continually uh, looking for ways to do things. I guess it's uh, pretty much impossible, I suppose, to try to to forecast or, or crystal ball how creative they might get or it's almost as yeah. if there's not there's no limit no no there no there is you know uh, you know i often say in fact i was just talking about it last week um because um we had a, a situation that um one of our clients ran into last week and um um and i think it was on thursday that you know they were given out warnings that um you know that particular day was supposed to be the one for hacking and and you know creative emails that come through that that basically they either you know get into your system or um, uh, or it's a willing uh, a willing effort uh, to let them into your system that you don't even know that you're you know you're having so everybody's so busy and when you're so busy, you're looking at an email and you don't really stop long enough to, to realize, oh my goodness, this is a, you know, this is a, a phishing exercise and they're just basically trying to get into your, um, your database. And so, 
um, because we are so busy, we just click on the button and it's too late at that point. And, um, um, you know, I, I was saying last week that, you know, if these, um, if these people would really, really work rather than, you know, trying to figure out how to do the next trick, you know, to get in or to steal someone's identity or, you know, to even have a breach, um, um, it, it is so, um, consuming overall um, um, that that people don't even realize the amount of money that actually goes into it and um, and how we can become legally liable um, for it as well. So, but but one of the things before we actually jump into um, the identity theft and the cyber liability that um, actually was just brought to my attention um, just this morning. Um, you know, as as you know, we do business with land surveyors all over the country, and um, um, as our technology changes and um, the cost of the equipment um, is is certainly um, uh, increasing, so many land surveyors um, find themselves renting or leasing equipment rather than purchasing equipment, and um, one of the items that came up this morning and I thought, well, this is a perfect timing because um, I would bring it up on the radio show today. Um, but one of the things that that we all need to be um, sensitive of is that when you are leasing or renting equipment, depending on, and most insurance carriers um, will respond this way, is in the event of maybe damage to that leased equipment or um, or maybe the lease is completed and you're going to be shipping it back um, to the equipment dealer, as an example. Um, number one, you know, when you're leasing equipment, that is um, leased property of others. So your, your inland marine coverage or your equipment coverage will typically not um, insure that piece of equipment unless you've added property of others to your, to your insurance policy. So that's number one. Um, but number two, um, most insurance policies in that situation is, is covering that equipment while it's in your care, custody, and control. And so what that means is should you um, go to ship it back, so say you have a damage and you ship it back, once it leaves your possession, it needs to be insured elsewhere um, through the shipping company back to the equipment dealer Um, or in reverse from the equipment dealer gets it, repairs it, and sends it back to you. It needs to be insured while it's in transit um, with that third party uh, shipping company um, it was it was actually just brought up today where uh, uh, an insured had actually called us um, looking for insurance because um, they had done that very thing and now um, the piece of equipment has never arrived on the other end and they're responsible by contract they're responsible for that piece of equipment. And you can imagine um, it's a very costly piece of equipment. Um, 
and there was no insurance on it. So now, um, is that situation one where, um, like if you if you mail a package, it's got you know whatever papers in it, and, and uh-huh. you want those protected, you can insure them. Um, uh-huh. But in the case of something like a piece of equipment that's so expensive. Is that right. something that has to be in your, your sort of underlying coverage that you carry as a company, or is it something you purchase as you as you make the transaction to have it sent somewhere um, to the, the carrier? What I would recommend is one of two things is, yes, you can purchase it at the time that you're shipping it through, um, and you're right, it is costly. Um uh, so you can acquire it through the shipping company, um, just like you would for you know um, holiday gifts, as an example. Um, but that is a, a more expensive way of doing it. Um, or you can simply call um, your typically, depending on who you're insured with, you can typically call and get an endorsement for that period of time to cover that while in transit. So it could um, cover it in transit to that shipper um, or while it's in the shipper's um, uh, care, custody, and control, and even on the way back as well. And, it, you know, if it's owned equipment, and, you know, I can only speak on our policies, but if it's owned equipment, you're fine. It's covered to and from. There's a, there's a stipulation for um, property of others, so rented, borrowed, or, or leased. Um, and that's where this, um, this is a, you know, a caveat, caveat for um, coverage not to apply. And so, um, um, you know, as I said, as, as more and more people are doing this, um, you know, a, an example, you know, would be, you know, you're, you're going to rent a, um, a robotic, but you don't actually own a robotic. You rent it, and um, and you know naturally um, uh, that is something that needs to be added to your policy um, at the time that you're rent- renting it. So, is the whole thing about this renting uh, trend focused on people who just? Don't want to own equipment. I mean, I, I would think if you're yes. if you're working every day, uh, mm-hmm. you would somebody would automatically say, "Oh, sure, we'll just buy our equipment." Um, and I could see if it was a specialty item, you know, if it's something that you didn't right. use all the time, but you needed it for a particular job, that would make right. sense to me. But right. it's almost like I'm hearing you say some people are doing this more as a a course of action that they follow rather than owning equipment which might get stolen. Am I reading yes. that correctly? Yes. Yeah, you you are. Um, they they are doing that. Um, you know, naturally, we're seeing more and more rented um, or, or leased equipment. And um, and I, you know, from my perspective, I think it is. You know, the industry's changing so much that if you go to own it, five years, you're you're basically you know even less than five. Um, you know, you're you're you know, kind of behind the times. Um, so, so your, your equipment becomes obsolete, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so what they're they're choosing to do, I mean, now they all have, you know, some total stations or GPS or something that they own, but then um, they'll have a specific job. They'll go out and, and 
you know, rent it or lease it for that job, and then um, then they'll go on, you know, doing the rest of their 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 job um, with their own equipment. Um, but we are seeing more and more of that, and I, I, you know, I don't know that, but I, I could envision that that's one of the reasons why that people do do that. But um, um, I know from an insurance um, standpoint, we've had to really, um, you know, question upon renewals and et cetera to say how much is owned and how much is actually leased now. Um, whereas in the past, it was typically this is my schedule of equipment, um, and it is not not so much that way any any longer. Right. Well, we're about ready to go to break, but this is fascinating to me because, of course, I, I, I just think it's really interesting. I, I kind of get it, though, because of the way yeah. things happen and change so quickly. So let's yeah. I, I don't want to miss out on our cyber. We won't talk about that, but let's, let's follow up with this a little bit when we do okay. come back. Perfect. We'll be right back. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com. That's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Field books. There is a difference, and the difference is made in the USA by family-owned and operated Bogside Publishing in New Hampshire. For over 38 years, the family business has produced the finest, most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable field books in the land surveying and engineering industry. Demand the best from your supplier, Bogside Publishing Field Books. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Back with Lisa Isom, and we've been talking in our first segment about this new trend, I guess, is, well, Seems new to me anyway, but uh, as we were at break, Lisa made the comment that for me to use the words insurance and exciting on the same sentence, the same <laughs> phrase, was, was sort of a strange situation. But but it is fascinating to me because, as we were talking about during the break, um, you know, looking back over the history of even even the time I've been in this, this business for the last 50 years or so, the concept always was you you buy things you own them they become part of your resource package you know they're um, and and you would use them forever basically and then of right. course you began to see that change when the EDMs came out and those kind of things but just thinking about the rapid change now I can I can kind of get it where people would look at it from the perspective of okay I'm gonna pay what a few hundred thousand dollars for a piece of equipment. And how much usage am I going to get out of that over time? Um, right. Versus, 
I go rent it when I need it. So right. I, I, I kind of right. understand that. But but from the right. insurance perspective, I guess I hadn't focused on that because that does create another another issue. Right, right. And and, and along those same lines, um, you know, while I'm thinking about it, um, another, I mean, just with our technology and with, you know, just just the world that we're in right now, um, you know, one of the other things, you know, I, I had mentioned rented um or leased, but one of the other things to keep in mind is borrowed. So, um, you know, so again, you may have a buddy that has the piece of equipment that you're just going to, you know, um, borrow for um, to complete a job rather than going and renting it. Um, and so you're just going to borrow their piece of equipment again it's not covered unless you have that added to your policy. And so... Um, just, I hate to break in, but mm-hmm. that, if I, let's say I went and borrowed it from my buddy down the road, um, mm-hmm. and he had it insured, but I was using it, would that negate his coverage? Normally, that, that um, there is a stipulation in, your, in that person's policy that, that when they actually borrow it, it is, it's... Um, it's considered more into a retail, so like you know, like you're you're renting it. So that's not the the course of uh, intention for that property. So they can exclude that coverage um, because it's no longer in his care, custody, and control. Yeah, it's in someone else's. Sure. Yeah. But but you know, now I will have to say is is you know sometimes you can. Uh, you know, talk it through um, and get that, that, depending on the coverage that they would have, um, to get that covered under that policy. But um, the safe keep is, you know, if that person's going to, you know, to uh, have it in their care custody control, it's it's not as expensive as to, you know, to lose a piece of equipment. <laughs> um or have it stolen and not have cover um, for it. So, um, you know, the safe keep, and that's why I wanted to, you know, definitely bring it up today um, because, you know, that is a, you know, real-life situation that occurred today and that, you know, that piece of equipment was being shipped back to the equipment dealer and it's never arrived. And so, you know, at the end of the day, whether it would be UPS, Federal Express, whomever the um, third-party um, shipping company would be, I think um, unless you insure it, it's typically around two fifty um, at a max that you're going to get back. Um, so no matter what the value is, that you know, if it disappears and it's under their um, their watch per se, um, you know, it would be, you know, 250 bucks that you're going to be recouping and, um, it's a several thousand dollar piece of equipment. So, right. so um, let me make sure I understand that. If, so let's say you loan, you, you lease some equipment to me or, or whatever, and then I'm done with it and I'm sending it back to you and I buy the insurance from well, whoever the carrier is, FedEx, UBS, whoever. And, Am I understanding correctly that I can't even buy insurance from them up to the value of the, of what I'm sending, or is that it has to be covered through a policy that I have or the owner has to mm-hmm. be able to get the full value? No, no, you can actually acquire the full value, but what I'm saying is if if they just assume it's covered under their policy I and see. just ship it back, 
um, the max on that would be like two hundred and fifty dollars. Okay. Um, so yeah, so it has yeah. to be covered. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can definitely That's very do that. Interesting. So, so now yeah. is this kind of your first foray into this, or have you seen more of this before? No, no. We have actually, um, you know, had this occur um, before, um, and we try to, you know, educate the the insured along the way. So if they're leasing equipment, you know, we've really got them pretty much trained from some of our insured's perspective um, that, you know, when they go out to lease a, a piece of equipment, they'll call in to, you know, to add a value. Um, oftentimes we will add um, a property of others' value onto their policy if we know that it's, it becomes a frequent thing. You know, so like if they do it three or four times a year, we'll go ahead and include that um, rather than them having to call every single time. Um, you know, so we'll do that. Um, it's just one that that is not on the on everyone's forefront of their mind when they're thinking about when they when they think about insurance. Oftentimes, they think, okay, if I have personal property, that personal property on my business package is going to cover no matter what the property is that I have. And, and, and until you have a loss or a stolen piece of equipment, you don't realize that that is not covered under your personal property. Um, right. Personal property is only covered if you own it. Um, and, um, and in this situation, it's, it's property of others because it's leased. Right. Well, and I kind of so, got up in the, the sending back and forth part of it, but let, yeah. let's say, for example, and you maybe you covered this, but let's say you, you leased a piece of equipment from a, a leasing company or even from somebody you knew, um, and then nothing happened during transport, but it got stolen off the street when it was in your possession. Correct. So... That wouldn't necessarily. Well, we said that before, though, didn't we? It wouldn't be. It wouldn't fall on the other guy's insurance because it wasn't under his control at that, that point. So they wouldn't cover it. Right. So it would have to be under your insurance, for right, it to get covered. And that's just, okay. I think we did say yes. that earlier. Now that now that I'm yes. saying that, I think we did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It has to be under your policy, and it needs to be listed as property of others in that limit of property of others in order for it to be covered. So yes, you're, that's correct. So, Very so yeah, interesting. yeah, yeah. So, um, so I guess um, sh- uh, shifting gears and starting to um, talk a little bit. I want to ask you yes. one other question that might lead us to cyber. Okay. I, my question was: we talked about the equipment. We didn't talk about the data. Right. So. so Let's say you rented the thing and you went out and did a bunch of work. Um, and, of course, hopefully you would download that data, but somehow maybe it got stolen while you're on the job or whatever. Mm-hmm. Does does the insurance for the equipment that's getting stolen include the data that's in it, or is that a different thing that comes under cyber or somewhere else? Um, well, it's kind of that would be twofold. Is is one if it was a stolen and it was let's just say the data collector was stolen, then there is no coverage unless there's property. So the cause of loss would have been would have been a theft, and so the um, the data collector would also be part of that 
um, property of others. So the actual piece of equipment would not be covered. However, the um, there could be some um, coverage for the actual data that was lost under your computer's media and data uh, coverage. And so that there is some electronic coverage there. So I, I would say that that would be a, a, a really a gray area to where I think you would find some cover under the data piece of coverage under your, um, your computer media and data coverage under your basic policy um, because it does not stipulate whether that data is on a, a rented or leased um, or owned um, property. So, um, so I, I do think that you would probably have some cover for that data, but maybe not to the max, but you would have yeah. some cover for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have some value, yep. whether or not that value included the fact that you've got to go back and collect it again. <laughs> I mean, that's you know, there's, cost, there's a cost yep. with that, too, obviously. Right. So right. I was just thinking, because that's, uh, you don't right. want to lose your equipment, but losing the data is just as bad, because that means you're still going to have to put money out to go re reestablish that data that you've lost. Right, and that that is exactly where the data coverage would come into play. It's it's to re recreate the data that you lost. So the manpower, um, the time that goes into having to go back out and recollect it. So I I I I would assume that that's where the coverage would would um, be found is under that computer uh, computer data coverage. So, um, yeah, so you should have some of that. Do you have somebody in your office who sits around all day trying to figure out what the next attack is going to be? I mean, it seems to me like that's a a pretty big deal to have to try to... Yeah, well, you know... ...or crystal ball, you know, what's happening next? You know, um, you know, I think you could have someone sitting around 24-7 and not come up with everything that, that's going to happen. Um, but, you know, the, it's bad enough is when it does happen to try to find out where the coverage would be to go and make the insurance claim filed. <laughs> so right. yeah. that's bad enough. Um, uh, you know, it's to try to figure out all the all the you know the loopholes. Um, you know, it's not covered here, but it could be covered there. Um, to try to find cover for um, our insureds when they when they do have a, a theft loss, and and so um, that has been one of the um, the the big um, uh, cumbersome uh, claim. Uh, questions that's been going on with respects to all of the fires in California um, is, is, you know, conversations with people with us or uh, insured elsewhere that would be calling in and saying, okay, what if, you know, I was doing this job, but then now, you know, I was staking these homes and now the homes are now burned and do I have cover for what I've just now lost? You know, um, because they, you know, there's nothing to stake right now um, if uh, if the home is is gone, and so there are a lot of those. And I can tell you, um, it's just been so severe that you know those those some of those kind of questions that have come up is is I could sit for thirty years and not figure it out. <laughs> Believe it or not, we're ready for another break. Oh my so, goodness! Okay, that's fast. That's good. That's good. We'll be right back. Okay. Yeah. Bogside Publishing, for over 38 years, 
this family-owned New Hampshire business has manufactured the most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable made-in-the-USA field books for the land surveying and engineering industry. And Bogside Publishing is still doing it today. Demand Bogside Field Books from your supplier or go to bogsidepublishing.com for a list of exclusive Bogside dealers. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Field books. There is a difference, and the difference is made in the USA by family-owned and operated Bogside Publishing in New Hampshire. For over 38 years, the family business has produced the finest, most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable field books in the land surveying and engineering industry. Demand the best from your supplier, Bogside Publishing Field Books. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Lisa, as we were going to break, I just maybe spent a couple of minutes on this, but I'll I'll make a, a plea, I guess. One of the things that we've been doing ever since all the floods and the fires began was trying to help people through our disaster relief fund, through our foundation. And we've had right. a lot of people, a lot of our state societies, a lot of individuals have, have donated money to the cause. And, of course, we've built up this fund over years. And, of course, there, there's never been a time like this. Um, Correct. Where so many disasters have hit at once, and so people have been great about helping and sending money in to help their their fellow surveyors and their families and their employees, whether it's the floods or the fires, and um, just the, the, what, what we were talking about before we went to break. I think kind of puts it in the into context is that when you when you lose everything, everything can be more than your what's tangible. It could be those jobs you had lined up for the next five years. I mean, exactly. And exactly. I, don't, I don't think people focus on that so much. You know, we're all no. we're so focused on, oh, my gosh, the house is gone, and, and that's, a, that's a horrible thing. It, right. it certainly is, but it, it, it keeps out of our mind, mind frame that it goes way beyond that. And right, so, uh, it's, right. It's just one of those tough things that, like you said, when we we're, when we're on break, you never really think about that so much because it doesn't no. happen all that often, and this year just seems to be the the year from hell in every way. <laughs> Whether it's right, uh, right, and if right. if our snow season follows up with disasters like we've had through the floods and the fires, then it's yeah. going to be a extra tough. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, so, you know the the um, you know the one thing that you know as we were saying on uh, at break, um, you know I I think I could have set through. You know, a ton of insurance classes and some of the the questions that have come back from the the fires or the or the um, floods, um, and I would have never ever heard the question ever asked. I mean, honestly, there's 
there's from, you know, the contingent liability because you've, you've had, you know, a, um, a job that you've, you've signed up for and you're, you know, you've got your future laid out and then in a moment's notice, it's gone. Um, you know, now you're going to have to start back over. Now what do you do? You know, and, and trying to find cover for that if there is any, um, which in, in oftentimes cases it's not because, you know, when you're, when you're acquiring insurance, everyone looks at the price, right? And so it all comes down to how much is it going to cost. And the probability of something happening, um, you know, you sit there and you kind of rationalize it and say, oh, well, that happens to someone else and not to me. Um, or what's the likelihood of an entire city being gone, um, you know, with a fire? Um well, we can now look at it, and you know, from an insurance perspective, it's been a you know a horrific year in so many different directions. Um, and then, you know, from uh, a business or economy perspective, you, you know, yes, will they have to rebuild eventually? But it's you know, in California, you're you're looking at um, a whole lot of different ways of building, and um, and the, the loopholes that you have to go through in order to even get uh, reconstruction started. And so we are talking about a long, long period of time before, you know, all of this start, even starts to begin to heal. Um, so um, it is, it's really concerning, but um, um, it keeps us on our toes, that's for sure. But you know, one of the things, and I do want to talk about um, identity theft at least a little bit. We're only going to be able to, to um, um, broach the subject a little bit since we're, we're halfway through our show. But as we'll all remember, you know, I think it was back in 2013, during this holiday um, shopping season was one of the largest um, breaches um, with respect to hackers, and um, and that was that was when it um, actually hit Target, as you recall. And all of the the forty million customers was um, um, you know their personal information was taken. And so while we're um, into this holiday season, it's even more so um, prevalent of people stealing or getting in and looking at. Um, are trying to get in um, to people's identity. And whether that is, you know, again, you know, hey, it's going to happen to someone else and it's not going to happen to me, um, you know, whether it's, you know, credit cards being stolen or, or you know, you hear all of the horror stories about, you know, your name's been taken and social security numbers, et cetera, and, and you know how many people actually really stops and takes uh, and 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 really reviews even their social security reporting um, on a on an annualized basis. Um, you know that is one that has come to the forefront just lately, and um, where you know you've paid in for twenty years and you don't realize that maybe your pay in isn't hitting your social security report. So um, you need to take a look at these things, and really, you know, as the as you know, the New Year's coming up, and everybody's making their resolutions. Um, you know, that is one thing that I would say you need to put to your forefront 
of taking a look at 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 you know doing some of those things to be more proactive in the event that it does happen because um personally um uh my husband had um his his company last year had a breach um, his um, company that he worked for had a breach where it was willingly provided uh, copies of W-2s and 1099s for every employee in their company. And, and um, the, the you know, CPA or accounting person thought they, that they were providing this information to the president of the company. Only, in fact, it was it was a phishing exercise, and they released all of the information. I can tell you personally, it's been devastating for the past year. Everything that we do, um, there has been a, a, a freeze put on it, and even our tax reports, um, you know, they're still pending. We just got a notification um, last week that. Possibly in nine weeks, they'll have our tax report completed <laughs> for la- for last year, and we're almost a year under our belt um, because because of that breach, and um, and so from the the company's perspective, um, thousands, millions probably of dollars that's gone into. The reporting of that and in the credit reporting of that. So, um, um, and that was that was one of the things that you know we were told within 24 hours um, um, after the breach occurred. But you know some of those those items that that when you're when you're receiving bills through the mail, um, your credit card. Um, um, information is coming through the mail. Make sure that you know you're picking up the mail every day. Um, you know those are some of those you know identity theft um, proactive um, ways of trying to avoid those situations. Whether that is personal or whether that is a business, um, when you're dropping off mail, make sure that it's dropped off in a secure post post office um, box, not just a, you know, um, a uh, drive-by mailbox, um, as an example. Um, again, looking at, like, billing cycles, you know, making sure that your billing cycles, you know, is every, let's just say every 17th of the month you get a bill, um, you'll start to notice um, maybe your billing cycles change, and that is one thing that's a... Um, uh, a red flag to make sure that your um, credit card or that bill um, that you're um, seeing that change on has not um, picked it up, and they they oftentimes will make a change of a billing cycle. Um, oftentimes they'll even change a billing address. Um, um, you know, on on those kind of things um, as far as your credit cards, etc. Another thing is, is is looking at your statements. Um, this time of the year, take a look at, at your statements and really whomever's looking at it, make sure that they're you know skimming the statement. And what you're looking for is maybe a dollar charge or 18 cent charge or 
um, you know, it's typically less than a dollar, and you see that type of a charge, it's someone that's gotten a hold of your credit card. And they're putting through a charge to see if it's a valid credit card or you've put a stop payment on it. And if that charge goes through, then they know that they can use it. And then you'll see this racking up of, of, um, of, of fees or charges. Um, and they may take it, you know, $20. Um, and then, you know, they, they completely, um, they get by with that and complete that transaction, then they'll go up to $200. Um, that's just the way it works. And and it could be from all over the, the world. Um, oftentimes, some of these um, breaches will come from another country. And before you know it, um, they've got your, your information and they've taken off with it. Um, and then what to do with it after it's been... Um, stolen um, or maybe lost and then stolen um, um, or, or then used, what do you do at that point? So um, should, should I go into some other or how close are we getting to um, the next break? We're about a minute and a half from break. So while we're okay. on this one, this is a good topic for people to know about. So Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I would like to talk about um, when we, you know, get come back is, you know, about your personal items, things um, similar to, you know, having a, a fire um, um, and taking photos or um, keeping a list of items that's in your house. Um, similar to that is the same situation that occurs from your own personal credit cards or your, your company credit cards. Um, um, and your personal identity, um, whether that is your Social Security, um, driver's license information, etc. Um, so I'll can, I can give you some pointers um, about that um, as far as some steps, um, tips about um, your wallet you know, being stolen or um, information being taken away from you um, to give you some heads up on how to prevent your identity um, from being stolen. Yeah, I think our tendencies are, and that's just human nature, I guess, to not focus on it and think, well, that's not going to happen to me. Um, And I'm guilty of that as anybody else. But Mm -hmm. this is great information for everybody to have because you do need to pay close attention to it just because there are people out there who are trying to take it. So we're we're at break time, so let's go do that. We'll be right back in a couple of minutes. Okay, perfect. Bogside Publishing. For over 38 years, this family-owned New Hampshire business has manufactured the most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable made-in-the-USA field books for the land surveying and engineering industry. And Bogside Publishing is still doing it today. Demand Bogside Field Books from your supplier or go to bogsidepublishing.com for a list of exclusive Bogside dealers. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Quick Stakes. 
is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. 800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E dot com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Field books. There is a difference and the difference is made in the USA by family owned and operated Bogside Publishing in New Hampshire. For over 38 years, the family business has produced the finest, most durable, rain-resistant, and most affordable field books in the land surveying and engineering industry. Demand the best from your supplier, Bogside Publishing Field Books. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Back with Lisa Isom to finish up our last segment for the for the day, and we've I think done a really really good job talking about some things that maybe we don't think about all the time. Certainly the the least equipment thing that we talked about earlier that was certainly important, and uh, and the devastation obviously that happens with folks. And then this latest thing we're talking about on the identity theft, and these are great tips that you're giving everybody, Lisa, because as we talked about. Uh, I think we all know it in the back of our minds, but we don't necessarily take the action that we should take. Right. Well, you know, I think um, a part of it, you know, Kurt, is is like most people, um, you think, well, that happens to the big guys or that happens to, you know, some, someone, you know, that's really important or, or this or that. And really they don't have, um, you know, the, the thieves out there really have – have no idea who you are or what you, what you're doing, and and it's actually the opposite. They they focus on the medium and the small um, uh, companies from a company perspective. Um, from a personal um, perspective, there really isn't no um, um, you know perfect person to to steal their identity of. Um, you know, there's even. Um, you know, today, you know, with respects to even the kidnapping, um, you know, the what they basically re, re, refer to it as a cyber extortion um, to where they come in and freeze your computers and unless you give them money, they won't open the computers back up. Um, so it's it's just, it's crazy. And, um, and most of the time it is... It is an email that looks like it's coming from someone that you know. And, um, um, you know, I had one last week where it was coming in and it was like, um, it was an email that was indicating that, you know, like my Windows 365, which we use it, um, here in our, in our office, the password had been changed and, and, and it had indicated, you know, to click on this link. You know, to validate that I was the one that changed, made the change of the password. Well, of course I didn't, um, make a change of the password. So I sent it to my IT guy and it was, it was a phishing exercise trying to get me to make the link. Um, and once I did, it was a virus. And so, um, uh, you know, who knows what, where it was coming from, but that, that particular one was coming from India. 
um, so he could track it back and see where um, it actually um, uh, came from. And, you know, don't ask me why, you know, where these things come from or how they even get through because we have virus protections and so forth. Um, We even have, you know, different types of firewalls within our um, system, and it still got to me. Um, So I think that just shows you how how dedicated, (laughs) if that's the right word, uh, they are. I mean, it's you you think you have all the all the stop gaps in place and and they yep. don't and then I think another thing that people sort of get caught up in thinking is well they're taking a dollar or they're taking why would they even do something like that well if they do it to a million people <laughs> exactly it turns out exactly yeah well you know and and what they do is you know you know going back to the dollar thing They'll put through a dollar just to see if that credit card will go through and it's actually a valid one. And then the next thing you'll see is, you know, um, this charge or that charge or whatever. Now, you know, they are smart enough that they're not going to go in and, and, you know, max out your credit card, you know, in one, one, one charge, but they will do little charges numerous times. And so... You know, if you only look at your statements every six months, well, you can, you can, uh, you know, you can have several hundred dollars or thousands of dollars taken from you over a period of time. And if they see, you know, like if it's a business use, you may have, you know, thousand dollar charges very frequently, so you might not, ch- you know, catch it for quite some time. And um, so they can see. You know, somehow or another, they can they can actually see the transactions that's going on on your credit cards. But you know, one of the things that I was wanting um, you know to let people know, we all use um, you know flash drives or or secured flash drives. Um, I would not recommend that you put it on your any type of cell phone or anything to that that. Um, um, to where it could be actually um, received off your cell phones. But, um, you know, go through, you know, as you're doing your year-end stuff and you're catching up maybe um, um, in January and looking at some some of these things of, of how can I help myself to help myself if something happens, okay? Um, but basically... You know, if you have like a secured flash drive and you go through and, and do the front and back of your, your um, credit cards and put those on to a flash drive, um, onto a secured flash drive to where maybe it's pass, password protected. And then in the event your wallet is stolen or your social security number has been taken or your, your, um, your um, driver's license number. Those are all of those three things are huge from an identity theft perspective. And when it happens, you know, if you're like me, you sit there and you try to figure out, oh, well, that that credit card had X Y Z number on it. Well, you don't know your security numbers. You don't know, you know, the little three-digit number on the back or whatever. And when you're calling in your credit cards um, of being stolen, they will typically ask you for that. Um, so, you know, have those things readily available to where 
if your credit card is stolen or misplaced and you call the credit card company, that's the first thing you do is call the credit card company, get them um, uh, canceled or made them uh, notified that 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 card has been um, uh, misplaced or stolen, and they will immediately cancel that card and any any transactions that's received from that point forward, the credit card company is liable for. So you're not liable for it. Um, you know, you you uh, you know, I've had people call in and say, you know, do do we actually um, report this stolen? And yes, you do. Um, you do um, file a police report um, of stolen property. Um, and naturally, your credit cards is um, um, uh, oftentimes your credit card providers. If 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 you've had credit um, charges that have occurred within you know that period of time before that um, before you call the credit card, they will ask you for um, a proof of a, a a police filing. Oftentimes. Um, and then, then the other side of it is, is if you've had your Social Security and or your driver's license and they're genuinely going to recreate your identity, then um, you, you really need to make sure that you have um, the three national you know, credit reporting um, organizations that you, you put them um, on notice that your Social Security number and your driver's license number has been stolen. They put it on a fraud alert, um, and then they monitor your um, your credit. And so those three things are huge um, to avoid, you know, wrong um, people going out and, and, you know, getting loans on you, um, filing for credit cards for you. Everything that they need is within that Social Security and that driver's license um, in order for them to take over and um, really cause you a lot of problem. Um, and it will take you years to, to get it back. Yeah, one of those, you so, were talking about storing things on, on flash drives or whatever, that, that's this critical information. Uh, as you were saying that, a thought came to my mind, well, you probably should put your answers the questions that they ask you to, you know, when you're when you're setting up an account, they ask you to put in some questions, some trigger questions. You know, where were you born right. and that kind of thing. And, right. and I know every time that happens to me, I have to stop and think, okay, what did I say? Right, <laughs> right, exactly. When, they, when the question came up, okay, well, what was my answer? So it's important yeah. to make sure you don't lose that stuff too. Right, right, yeah. Um, you know, they'll anymore. They'll usually have you know two or three questions to you know to confirm who you are. You know, when you actually do call in, and um, you know, there, there again, those kind of things are are important. Um, and you know, as far as today, a lot of the things years ago, you'll notice. Um, uh, or you may remember how people would put their phone number in oftentimes for an ease of doing business, their driver's license numbers on their checks. Mm-hmm. And if you are still using um, that, you need to, you know, discontinue that immediately because that is not, you know, anything that you want to have out there readily available um, because most people that, 
even if they do take a check in today's world, they scan it and it's um, it's kept and so or shredded. The check is typically shredded, but once it goes through and it's scanned, and that's the record keeping for wherever it might be, whatever facility it might be, whether that's you know Jiffy Lube or you know um, a restaurant somewhere. Um, you know, oftentimes um, we still see license numbers coming through on people's checks paying for their insurance premiums. And um, that is, that's one thing that you want to omit um, those off of your bank checks um, from now on um, because those are items that will just uh, give people um, too much information, put it that way. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so... Well, we're about a minute and a half or a little less out, so just for the audience's sake, we we are decided during the break we'll come back uh, sometime in January, what one mm-hmm. convenient date for you, and okay. um, and follow up again with our cyber and some other things. Um, the, we were some things we want to talk about uh, regarding our state societies and the things they're doing. Um, sure. So I, I appreciate you being with me today here. We're a week or so away from Christmas, so yes. I guess this is a good Christmas present for our listeners to <laughs> hear all the information that you've shared today because it's certainly <laughs> I- intriguing on one one side and certainly important for us to know and take into account uh, overall. So I uh, yeah. really appreciate you joining me today and taking time out of your schedule. Well, I thank you uh, for having me, and I wish everybody a uh, merry, merry Christmas and uh, happy holidays. And um, look out for 2018 because it's right yeah, around the by, corner. By the way, when we come back again, uh, let's talk a little bit what your schedule is, where you're going to be at conferences and stuff. That'd be that'd be good for people. Okay, to know. wonderful. We'll do. Think that'd be a, a great thing because. We want as many people as they can to come around and talk to you guys. So if I don't talk to you before the holiday, have a great Christmas, and we'll talk again real soon. Okay. You too. Take take care. Mm, Bye-bye. 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 You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.